I was already warned tonight uh, that I can't do what I want to do tonight in one night. And that's probably true. To give an introduction to the Psalms is not a one-night thing, but we're going to try. We're going to move fast through some of the technical stuff, and then we're going to move slow through one of the Psalms. Uh, what I've given you in the, in the handout, uh, don't worry, we're not going through, what is it, five or six pages of it. Um, what I've given you on the first page is kind of an outline of what I see, kind of more of the, the technical stuff and how to kind of intellectually grapple with the Psalms. And we'll, we'll go through that. And then pages two through five, that's actually an introduction to the Psalms that I did a couple of years ago, uh, dealing with one particular Psalm as an example. I'm not going to touch that tonight. You can read that if you wish at some time. I, I started to, I was just going to reuse that and do it again, but I just can't do that. But I thought it was good enough to share with you again. So I went ahead and, and typed it out, and you can take that and read it at another time. You know, the, the, the two hymns that we just sang, uh, why do, we, why do we, we sing songs? I mean, why? Yeah, I mean, it's worship. Uh, does anybody not get a copy? Johnny needs one, and anyone else? Blake, give, give one of the boys over there. They know how to read. They know how to read. Thank you, Blake, for running down and picking those up. Uh, when, we, when we sang that, that first song, the We Believe song, uh, we've sung that several times as a, as a congregation. Uh, that is a, a statement of what we believe. As we sing it over and over again, what happens? We begin to remember those things that we believe. That's what the Psalms are. They're songs and they're prayers from the Old Testament. They're Old Testament songs and prayers. Some of them are to teach about the history, of the salvation history. Some of them are, they're all of various kinds and, and various types. But what's different when we read a, a, a poem or a psalm or we sing a song What's different about that than when if I were just to, to give you facts? If I give you facts, I'm, I'm talking to your head, right? If I, if I just tell you the Lord is sovereign, that's something you might remember, you might not. But when we sing about the sovereignty of God, that, then it begins to, to work through our heart into our head. Now we've, the last couple of, of times we've talked, we've talked about the New Testament narratives, they're historical, they're true, all of that stuff, you read it and you understand it. When we, when we talk about the Psalms, when you're reading the Psalms, you have to open your heart first. It's poetry, it's imagery, it, it's language meant to reach your head through your heart. Think about the 23rd Psalm, everyone's favorite psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's calling us sheep there. He's talking about making us lie down outside by some backwater that's still. He's talking about his rod and his staff pouring oil over our head. I mean, if we just think intellectually about that, of literally about what it says, that's not a real pleasant thought. But how many of you, as you read that psalm, you begin to understand that the Lord cares for us, that, that, that he, he provides for us? It's poetry. It reaches us there, but through our heart first. It's memorable. It's, it's, it's imagery. Uh, you know, one of the other things that we have to remember about the Psalms, when, when you're reading the epistles, when we're reading Ephesians, as we are in Sunday school now, or when you're reading Genesis even, you read that and it, it's teaching us fairly directly. Ephesians very directly teaching us doctrine. It's, it's telling us things to learn. When we, when we read the Old Testament narratives, it's telling us a story. And we understand that as God's word to us, right? I mean, that's pretty easy to, to get that idea. The Psalms, however, yes, it is God's word to us, but all of the Psalms are either written to God or about God. It's not as if God writing a letter directly to us. You seldom find, if ever, thus saith the Lord in the Psalms, unless it's quoting elsewhere. What you find are poems to God or about God. Listen to the 24th Psalm. I'm not going to read the whole thing, just a little bit of it. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Uh, is that a psalm to God or about God? Come on. It's about God. That's clearly psalm about. Look next door at Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, O my God. To you I trust. Is that a psalm about God or to God? It's a psalm to God, isn't it? So sometimes the psalms are written to God, sometimes they are about God. The other thing, they are used in worship. Sometimes they're used for individual worship. Psalm 63 is an example of that. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. 
Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Do you hear how personal that is? I have seen, I, my, I, my. Look over at Psalm 65. There will be silence before you and praise in Zion, O God. And to you the vow will be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all men come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you forgive them. How blessed is the one whom you choose to bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. That's a psalm that's to be sung. If you look at the heading, it says for the choir director, a psalm of David. That's a song to be sung by the congregation. That's a we psalm. It's, it's, it's for a, a corporate worship setting. So psalms are either, they're either songs to God or about God. They're to be used either individually or they're to be used corporately. That doesn't mean that the corporate psalms aren't meaningful individually, but you see the, the language in them is, is directed one or the other. There are a variety of different types of songs and prayers. Each psalm is, is a song or it is a prayer. Uh, look at 113. This is a, these are praise and thanksgiving psalms. See, one of the purposes of the psalms, as we read through the psalms and you read the different types, one of the purposes of the psalms is to put into language what we already feel. It's, you, know, you know, sometimes, oh man, you, you, you have a feeling for God, you want to express it, and the words just don't, aren't there and don't come out. You, can all, you go to the psalms and you read them. You want to, you want to praise God, Look at Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above all the heavens. Yeah, I couldn't just rattle that off myself in a, in a hymn of praise, but doesn't that put, put words to our praise. Some are psalms of thanksgiving. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears. Because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. What's the difference between a praise psalm and a thanksgiving psalm? We'll go back and look at that Psalm 113 again. It's just praising God for who he is. Doesn't say much in there about what God has done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is to be praised. It's who he is. Who is like the Lord? He is enthroned on high. The praise psalms praise God for who he is. A thanksgiving psalm, like 116, I love the Lord because he hears my voice. Thanksgiving psalms are giving thanks to God for what he has done. When, when we think about our blessings, the way that God has blessed us, we need to articulate that in thanksgiving. Again, why not find a psalm that can say it so much better than we can and read that psalm and, and pray that psalm? 
One of the types of psalms that is uh, sometimes hard for us are the psalms of repentance. Uh, these are, remember, these are, are songs and poems and prayers to God or about God. The psalm of repentance, Psalm 51, the, the classic repentance psalm. Uh, the heading there says, A contrite sinner's prayer for pardon for the choir director which is interesting, it's a hymn of repentance, but it's for the choir director, meaning that it would have been sung corporately as part of a, of a corporate service. A Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Remember the story there after David had had his, his affair with Bathsheba and Nathan comes to it and, and tells him about the, 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 someone who had stolen the other person, a rich man who had taken the the sheep from the poor man, and David says, oh, he must be punished, and Nathan said, you are that man. And this is David writing a song of repentance as he thinks back about that time. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And it goes on. What's interesting about that psalm, even though that heading is in there, there's not a single word in that psalm that identifies what the sin was. Why is that? I think that's so that we can use that psalm. So that as we come under the conviction of our sin, whatever it may be, we can go to this psalm and, and like David, cry out, against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Psalm of repentance. And it, it doesn't just stop with the confession. As you go on down through that psalm, you hear David crying out, Create me in me a clean heart, O God. And he, he goes on and praises God within that psalm. So psalms of repentance. It helps us to put into words and it helps us to put into prayer our brokenness. Because uh, sometimes we can't find the words on our own. Another of my favorite type of psalms are the complaint or lament songs. Did you know that it's okay to complain to God? Did, I mean, did you, did you know that? God right here gives us in his book, in his word to us, examples of complaining to him. Again, this is David in Psalm number 3. The heading says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Remember that story out of 2 Samuel? Uh, Absalom, his son, was in rebellion against David the king, and David had to leave Jerusalem in order to save his own life. And as he's leaving, there are people throwing rocks at him. And he's, he's leaving and it says the people that with him and they're leaving and they're all weeping and in tears as they're leaving. And this is again a psalm of David, a lament. 
O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. My glory and the one who lifts my head. We're going to look more at this psalm in a little bit. But I wanted to just give you the flavor of the lament psalms. The, the, the psalms that give us not just permission, but put words to our feelings sometimes when, when we need to just cry out in complaint to God. And this shows us one of the ways that we can do so. The hardest psalms for me to understand, and yet they're in here, are what's called the imprecatory or curse psalms. Um, Psalm 137 is again the kind of the classic example of that. Uh, this is a, a psalm that was written during the period of, of captivity in Babylon. And he, the, the writer of this psalm, and it does not specify that it's a psalm of David or who the writer was, but it was a psalm of the people of Israel when they were in captivity in Babylon. I'm going to read through it. And I want you to think about really how this one ends. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. Upon the willows in the midst of it, we hung our harps. For there our captors demanded of us, demanded of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget her skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. So this psalmist is, is here talking about their, their situation there. They're exiled in Babylon. Their captors are telling them, yeah, sing us songs about Jerusalem that they've been taken from and put into captivity. Verse 7, Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. He said, he's saying, God, remember those who tore down Jerusalem. Remember these people who have taken us into captivity. O daughter of Babylon, Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense with which you have repaid us. How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rocks. You expect to find stuff like that in the Bible? The Psalms are honest prayers. These were the people of Israel in captivity, here praying that God will take vengeance on their captors. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, let me do this, or let me do that. Saying, remember, O Lord, and it's leaving the actions to God. The imprecatory or curse psalms, there are others in there. Hebrew poetry, you know, as we read it in English, uh, we miss a lot. Hebrew poetry is written with rhythm and rhyme. English translations, you cannot capture that. 
But what we do capture is the structure of it. It's, they use what's called Hebrew parallelism. Uh, and if you misunderstand it, you can completely misinterpret the psalm. Hebrew parallelism, there's different types. The first type I've got on here in these notes is the synonymous parallelism. It's two lines that have the same idea, stating it differently. Uh, psalm 49 is one of those. It says, hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. So it's the same thing stated twice. Verse 2 says, both, lie, both low and high, rich and poor together. So it's stating the same. Those are not different ideas. It's the same idea stated twice for amplification. Another type of parallelism is antithetic parallelism, and you can't confuse the two. It is really nearly the opposite. Antithetic parallelism, parallelism is a for this, but that. Uh, Psalm 1, verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For this, but that. So when you see those, think of what the point is. Actually, in that first psalm, you've got both types built within it. So each line, each set of verses, each line, you, you need to look at and and realize what is the point, what are they saying there? Is it an amplification or whatever? The synthetic parallelism is really when the second line completes the idea of the first. Verse, or Psalm 3, verse 4 says, I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. So it's, it's a continuation, but the second line uh, really completes the idea of the first. There's only one other point we're going to make, and then we're going to get into one of the psalms and really look at it more closely. Uh, one of the, the, the things about poetry and about the Hebrew poetry particularly, they often use different structures. Uh, some of them are what, what they call chiastic structures, which goes into a form where it goes like an A, B, C, B, A. And when you see that, that middle line is really the whole point of the thing, and you can find those. And there are, no one has yet agreed really on how many different type structures there are, because as you go through them, you find them. But one of the easiest to notice for us, and only because in the Bibles usually it's notated, are the acrostic psalms. Psalm 119, this longest psalm in the book, is an acrostic psalm. We don't get it, but in the Hebrew, each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first one is the aleph, which is the beginning, and the bet, which is B equal to B, and they go through the whole Hebrew alphabet with that first line of each stanza. It's fascinating, but you don't, it, it, all we can see is the note saying it does that. But what that means is, each of the psalms, even those that are not in an acrostic form, each of the psalms are carefully and thoughtfully written to evoke certain emotions, to evoke certain thoughts, to be, tell us either about God or as a prayer to God, sometimes both. The conclusion of this kind of 
structural analysis of it, and I do, I'm going to read this. Uh, this is out of, uh, and I'm sorry I didn't notate which book I got this from, but it says one can spend hours or even days reading introductory information about the Psalms, and I can verify to you that is true. Much more important is the reading of the Psalms themselves. Tomes of research propose various cultive or festival backgrounds to the Psalms. Other scholars reconstruct the supposed evolution of ancient Israelite religion and its parallels with other ancient Near Eastern literature. Vast castles of speculation are built on the sands of supposition. Meanwhile, the words of the Psalms themselves are forgotten. Read the Psalms. And I couldn't agree with that author more. Uh, you know, we can go back and do all kinds of analysis and all that, but the important thing is that you be reading the Psalms. It gives voice to our deepest feelings. It gives voice to the hard prayers that we sometimes are almost afraid to pray. The Psalms give voice to worship and to agony. So read the Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 3. So if you'll turn to that, we'll just take a few minutes. Psalm 3. By the way, the headings in here were put in when, from the, really the Aramaic translation of the Old Testament. Uh, they were based on the, the written and oral traditions of the rabbis. Uh, so they are not actually part of the psalm, but they are notated from very early sources. Psalm 3, morning prayer of trust in God, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. This is a lament psalm, and the lament psalms almost always start out with an address to God. Uh, sometimes they're long, sometimes they're short. This one is very short and clear. It says, Oh Lord. Now that's the Yahweh. Uh, oh Yahweh, it's O oh Lord. When we have a complaint or a lament, where's the best place to go to? Who do we need to be telling those to? To God. That's, that's what he, he knows already when we're hurting. He knows already when we're up against conflict. He wants you to talk to him about it. Many of the psalms are these type of lament psalms, complaint psalms, but it, it, they, they are addressed to God and that's to whom we should address our complaints. Oh Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. That's, that's the basis of David's complaint here. That's what he's crying out about. He said, God, I've got a lot of enemies. 
I mean, Lord, they, they, they've, you know, they, at this is when they're chasing him out of Jerusalem. And many are saying in my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Lord, they're telling me that you're not going to deliver me. This is, this is his, his complaint. As you see the other lament psalms, you'll see this same structure of crying out to God, complaining to God, or lamenting your situation. But then David follows that, and this is where we have to begin to, to follow the pattern that's laid out here in verse 3. But you, O Lord, do you hear the shift there, the but you? First he's complaining to God, now what he's about to do is explain his trust in God. It doesn't do any good to complain to God if you don't trust God. If you, if you don't trust that he could do something about it, but if you do trust that, then the complaint goes to God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. David's looking back. He remembers when God has answered him. I lay down and slept, and I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. David's giving recognition to the fact that his, his life is in the Lord's hand. He says, I went to bed last night. I woke up this morning. And that's because of God, because the Lord sustained me through the night. That each day, each breath is a gift from God. Therefore, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. If God be for me, who can be against me? He's recognizing who God is at the very beginning. Oh Lord, he's talking about his trust in God. And then right there as he says that, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. That wonderful expression of trust. Verse 7 then, he gets to the point. So far, we've got him recognizing God, pronouncing his trust in God, complaining to God, and now he gets to his point. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. One line in there is what his request to God is. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. He's not really telling him how. He's just making his plea to the God that he has just expressed his trust in. And then he comes back to another statement of assurance. And he's saying, God, you've, you've smitten all my enemies on the cheek. You've shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He ends this prayer, this psalm of lament. He ends this prayer with that praise and worship of saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. In just those two brief phrases, he, he's offering praise. He's saying, the Lord is the one who saves. Salvation is yours, O Lord. The Lord is the source of blessing, your blessing be upon the people, and the Lord is the one who can bless. In, in eight 
verses there. David, this psalmist, has, has said more than we sometimes can say in 20 minutes of prayer. He's recognized who God is. He's laid out his complaint simply and clearly. He's, he's reaffirmed his trust in God. He's made his plea for deliverance. He doesn't beg God and go on and on and on. And then he closes with that statement of praise and blessing. I think that's a great model for us uh, as we go before the Lord in prayer uh, when we have a complaint to take before him. Remember, as, you, as you're reading the Psalms, you'll run across other kinds and, and other types. But if you keep in mind some of these kind of things that we've, we've touched on briefly, then when you have need to, to, to pray in that way, when you have that, that hurt that you want to take before the Lord, you can be reminded in the Psalms, and you can go to those Psalms and express praying the Word of God back to Him. And in that, I think we find peace and satisfaction. Uh, it's a great gift to us, this, this book of Psalms. It, they're, they're hymns of worship, hymns of praise, and prayers that can be very, very personal. But the most important thing, read the Psalms. Over and over again, read the Psalms. Let them become your prayer language and your worship language. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you that you have given us these songs, these prayers, these words. Lord, that you used David. You used the sons of Asaph. You've used those others to put into words those deep feelings that we have. And Lord, you've, you've done it in such a way that you can reach us both head and heart, as we call out to you, whether we call out to you in praise or whether we call out to you in complaint or whether we call out to you, Lord, at times when we want you, Lord, to, to actually take vengeance on the wicked. Forgive us, Lord, when we misuse your word. Forgive us when, when, we, when we pray things the way we shouldn't. For God, you've given us examples. You've given us guidance. Lord, let your spirit speak to us as we bow humbly in your presence. Give us the words through your word or through the Holy Spirit within us. And let us hear from you, Father, as we speak to you through the Psalms. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things that I'd, I've been asked if I could do, and I'll, I don't, I'll do it. Um, I know we're throwing a bunch of stuff out sometimes. If you have questions about anything that I've bring up or touch on or hand out or whatever, please feel free to jot it down and I'll try to get to a time of answering 
those questions. Um, and you don't need to even put your name on it or whatever. Just write them down. And you know what? In the, in the, if you don't want to just give them to me, or please, you can just drop them in the offering plates up here. And Monday, I'll come in and see what's there and begin to ponder over it and pray over it. And, and, uh, and I'll try to get to, the, to answer any questions you might have. So that, that'll work. Or you can send me an email. Then I'll know who said it. That's okay, too. All right? Thank you. That's all for today. We'll see you next week.